Garbage. Refuse. Waste. Trash. It has a negative connotation to it. Whenever we think something is bad, we, we relate it to trash. Uh, in the corporate world, when uh, I've seen a project go bad, they call it a dumpster fire. I remember watching Adam Pac-Man Jones after a uh, game in which he was going against a so-called good wide receiver that he shut down for the game. During the interview, they kept talking about this wide receiver, and he said, they garbage. <laughs> he pulled a trash can close to his locker and started looking at it and saying, well, can we find that wide receiver I was guarding? He's got to be in there. <laughs> you have uh, some memes or some joke pictures that I've seen uh, where they will have garbage. Uh, there's a particular rap artist I'm not too fond of for many a reason, but he goes by the name of Young Thug. And uh, I, I grew up on hip hop, and so I like people who have wordplay and metaphors and don't say the same thing over and over again. But uh, somebody took a picture of some headphones with the end of the headphone connected to the trash can and said that they was listening to Young Thug's new mixtape. I might have enjoyed that picture just a little bit too much, but I grew up listening to Jay-Z and Redman and, and some, some really decent artists and these days they wear dresses, but that's a, that's a sermon for another Sunday. But the point is, is when we have some sort of negative, we have a negative connotation to the word trash. When you touch trash, you go wash your hands after you touched it. Amen. Uh, when somebody has treated something bad, they've trashed it. Uh, we don't like trash. I've, I've been intimately familiar with trash lately. Uh, rebuilding this church and helping members gut out their houses and once it goes to the curb we don't touch it anymore and we'll do things to prevent other people from touching it as well and other animals from touching it as well we'll pour ammonia over it and things of that nature so that people don't take it we don't want them to touch our trash 
let a piece of food touch some trash. We're not eating it anymore. We don't like trash. But there's an interesting thing about trash or things that we think are trash. Everybody else don't think it's trash. I uh, was cracking a joke with uh, our finance chair and uh, one of the days we were up here cleaning out the building and uh, you know, I'm not touching anything electronic that took water. Whether it be a, 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 well not touch, I'm not gonna use again rather, I'll touch it because I need to get it to the trash. But um, if it's a copier machine or a television or a computer, if it took water, I'm not going to use it anymore. And uh, there was a Dyson vacuum cleaner. It took water. Had a whole bunch of sludge and slime on it, so it went to the curb. It went to the curb around Friday night about 6 p.m. Saturday morning at 8 a.m. when I came back to do another round of cleaning, that Dyson vacuum cleaner was gone. Even though we thought it was trash, somebody else thought that they could use it. Uh, we took out the kitchen cabinets the other day and the countertop and the sink and it was broken and the pipes were broken so we couldn't use it. So we put that whole countertop and that sink out on the curb. Came out the next day, the sink had been gone. It had been removed. Somebody thought, well, that's a metal sink. I can redeem that for some money at the recycling center. So just because you think something is trash doesn't mean that everybody else thinks it's trash. Uh, there's a man by the name of Matt Malone who's in Austin, Texas, is a security consultant and estimates that if he gave up his day job for his weekend hobby, he would make about $250,000 a year. Every weekend, he comes off his corporate job as a security consultant, climbs into his Chevy Avalanche, and goes dumpster diving. Yes, I said dumpster diving, but he doesn't just go to any old dumpster. He has learned to be a little bit discriminating in his tastes. Uh, he targets dumpsters behind retail chain stores. And what he finds there are returns. Uh, People bought something, didn't like it, or bought it just to use it for one day, and then they take it back. Uh, most of what he finds uh, are in good condition and still in their original packaging. Uh, he finds vacuum cleaners and power tools and furniture and carpeting and industrial machines and consumer electronics, even scratch and dent items that can be restored with just a little tender love and care as he describes it. Mar Malone targets dumpsters at dormitories next to the University of Texas because he's in Austin. At the end of the semester, when students are moving out, that is apparently the best time to go dumpster diving. All year round, he makes room for the dumpsters outside. He goes to the dumpsters outside of storage unit places. And as the tenants check out, they have second thoughts about taking everything with them. 
And so a small time entrepreneur like Malone, who's willing to deal with these cast off items, is creative. And he saw an opportunity to refurbish and resell these things that people are throwing away at weekly garage sales. And he makes a great deal of money. We call it dumpster diving, but Mr. Malone calls it being a for-profit archaeologist. <laughs> He's aware that archaeologists spend a lot of time examining ancient garbage and that they can tell a great deal about the civilization by digging through the centuries-old stuff that they call middens or trash heaps. In America, our dumpsters are running over, but with nearly new serviceable merchandise that's going to the landfill. So what does that say about our values? Dumpster divers like Mr. Malone are following an ancient and even biblical tradition. The scriptures depict God as being somewhat of a dumpster diver. This is an all-powerful being that can transform someone's trash into treasure. As the author of Psalm 107 puts it, God is a goel in Hebrew or a redeemer. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those who he redeemed from trouble. Because he redeemed those people from trouble, they ought to tell it. And the people of God are some quality merchandise that's been accumulated, but it's had a few dents on it, a few scratches, but it still retains its original potential. And the Lord can be counted on to gather them up from the lands, those distant places where they have been exiled and kicked out. These people of God are not vacuum cleaners or power tools or computer printers, but they are human beings created in the image of God and they hunger and they thirst and their, their souls fell within them and they cry out to the Lord and the Lord answers them. I, I've run into some patterns when I look at these Old Testament scriptures and, and I see where some of these Psalms come from uh, the, and, and some of the things that happen through the people of God. They get in trouble. They get punished for their trouble. They cry out for help and God delivers them. Uh, there's a description in a lot of these psalms of the nature of the distress, the distress. And then there's a prayer of desperation. And then there's an account of deliverance. And then there's an expression of thanks. And that's how we ought to be with our lives. There are times where we will get distressed. There are times where we will cry ourselves to sleep. There are times where we don't know when our help is coming from. There are times where it seems like everybody's going to be against us. And those are the times that we ought to be closer to God. Those are the times when those troubles are coming on our left and on our right. Those are the times that we need to be in church and not away from the people of God and not away from God's holy word. That is a trick of the enemy to get us even further distracted. When we get into that, that distress, we ought to be able to pray. We ought to be able to pray with much prayer and much supplication to let our requests be made known to God. Isaiah said, call on the Lord and he will answer. Call while he is near and he will be found. So we ought to be able to do that when we're in trouble. That's the only way we're ever going to get out of trouble is if we let somebody know we need help. 
Uh, then, so these, these redeemed people, uh, what the redeemed are supposed to do, uh, because God has redeemed them, is that they are supposed to give thanks to the Lord, praising him for his love. And they are to give a sacrifice to the Lord, and that's another way of giving thanks. When you give up something for the Lord, we are giving thanks. We are supposed to give thankful praise to God because of his abundant love when it says that uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever in the Greek that word is said, and said is a steadfast love he has rescued us from multiple pairs perils and satisfied us from our, our deepest need as with other Psalms uh, when we look at we got to consider 107 even though I only read Psalm 107 uh, when I read verses 1 through 7 when you get home and you read and go ahead and read all 43 verses it tells a story of how these people of God got kicked out of their homeland. Let me know if that sounds familiar. They sat under oppression under a ruler that didn't care anything for them. Let me know if that sounds familiar. And they just trying to find a way back home to the things that they once knew. Let me know if that sounds familiar. I don't know they may call it trying to make America great again, but just exactly who are we making America great for? These people are under trouble and they are under governmental pressure and they looking to God to see them through. And this has said is, 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 is the most significant word in Psalm 107 and, and, and uh, each time in the new trans, new international, I mean not new, new revised standard version, it, it comes eight times in Psalm 107 and it's steadfast love. It's God's persistent protective loyalty to his covenant people. God is faithful in keeping his promises. God always shows mercy and loving kindness. God has many contexts where this has said indicates his affection and his care. And God reliably shows has said to his people even when they have gone astray. And has said is at the beginning of the psalm and at the end of the psalm. So it doesn't matter where you start or where you finish. You know that God loves you. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter where you start or where you're finished. When you look at the Psalm 107 at the beginning of the person, you got God's steadfast love. And at the end of the uh, text, you got God's steadfast love. These are the kind of reasons why when they tried to trick Jesus, as we talked about it last week, and asking him, which is the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and soul. And a second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love God, and we are to love people Period. No other kind of qualification about it. No other butt clause. No other thing that's going to be added to it. Love God and love people. Why? Because God loved you. God loved you in spite of yourself. While you were yet sinners, God sent his son to die for us on a cross. And have, we can have redemption and have access to heaven and not have to worry about death hell in the grave and if God was able to sacrifice his son for you to show some love you got to be able to show some love to other people amen amen, amen. this is a said and God shows this mercy and, and and loving kindness and it's at the front and the back of the psalm appearing in the first and the last verse and it's plural to indicate that it is repeated I can't just tell my wife I love her one time and that'd be it. I know sometimes we like to be logical about things and say, well, I said I love you and I'll let you know if I change my mind. No, you have to be told. You have to say. And y'all don't you have to say. You have to show over and over and over again. Amen. So we have to thank the Lord 
for his steadfast love. And so the redeemed of the Lord are to give him thanks and they are to give these th- give the thanks to the Lord. Why are the redeemed supposed to thank the Lord? Because he, they gave, God still loved them even though these, these people of God kept messing up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Amen. They kept messing up. Uh, they weren't supposed to have a king, but they asked for one anyway, and they got one. Uh, Moses went up to the mountain to talk to God, and they decided, well, Moses ain't here. I'm going to make my own God. Time and time again, these people messed up. They were in the wilderness traveling, and because they were a stiff-necked people, and they were hard-headed, a trip that was supposed to take 11 days took them 40 years. But no matter what going on over and over and over again, God still loved them. Just like we mess up over and over and over again, and we still get forgiven for what God has done, what we have done to these things that God still forgives us over and over and over again. And so if God still forgives us, we ought to be willing to thank him for what he's done for us. We do not deserve what we get with this love and mercy and everlasting kindness and steadfast love. So when we get it, we ought to say thank you. Uh, and so the redeemed are supposed to do it because they, God is still loving them in spite of what they've been doing. In spite of their sin, they've been shown the grace of God. And they sit in darkness and gloom and they're miserable prisoners in chains. And then when they're not miserable and they're not sitting in darkness, there are sometimes they see the word of God and still decide I'm going to do something different. And they rebel against God's word. And when they rebel against God's word and they dispose of his counsel, they get broken down. They end up facing hard labor. They end up getting oppressed. They end up having a whole lot of things happen to them. I heard somebody say one time that a hard head will make a soft behind. So we can think we know what we're doing from time to time. We can think that we have the right way to go. We can think that what our way is best and we might know a little something because we done been around the block and started to smell ourselves. We might have a couple of letters behind our names. We might have a couple of decades on a job. We might have a little bit of a position. We might have gotten a business going for ourselves. We might be something in the community. We might hold a little bit of a position in the church. We might even preach on Sundays, but we are still but filthy rags when it comes to the Lord. We are all sinners saved by grace. We have all missed the mark. So we ought to thank God for his mercy and his grace. Ah, And so God gives them grace in spite of everything that's going on. So he gathers them around, the text says. Uh, He gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west and the north and the south. They were not in their home, but Jesus or God brought them together. He gathers them and brings them from many lands. And then he feeds and leads them, provides them with food and water and answers their calls for help. And not only does God do this in Psalm 107, but he heals them with his voice. Ah, yes, and he saves them from imprisonment and death and trouble. And when they cry for help, God answers them. And gives them abundant flocks and crops. He helps them settle and builds their cities and goes into lands. And so when they go, and it says in verse 7 that he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Uh, During those times, it was bad to be without land. Land was one of the ways that people took care of themselves. 
Land is still an important tool in the day to day. Most people I know who have made some sort of wealth for themselves and those that I read about, there's some land involved in it somewhere. Because they're not making any more land. And so the price of land keeps going up. And back then, the people needed the land because not only was land a way for them to take care of themselves and provide for themselves, but this was an agrarian economy. They didn't have plants to drill for oil. They didn't have retail stores to, to go buy clothes and sell clothes. So if you were going to be able to feed yourself, you had to be able to grow it. If you wanted to make something for somebody else, you had to be able to grow it. And so here these people were when they were nomads, they had been taken away from a way to provide for themselves. But they were taken away from a way to provide for themselves to understand that God is Jehovah Jireh, a provider. And so while they were in this, this, this trial and this tribulation and then these things going on, God let them know that he will supply all their needs according to the riches of God. He, he let them know. And God is a redeemer and a counselor in times of distress. Even though we mess up a lot. Even though we don't do everything we're supposed to do. I mean, I can only speak for myself. But I don't know any perfect people. But even though we mess up from time and time again, we still need to go back to God. And God is a redeemer in times of trouble and a counselor in times of distress. When you redeem something, you pay its ransom. You pay what's owed on it so that you can claim it and say that it's yours. Uh, my, I take the children from time to time to that, that wallet draining place known as Chuck E. Cheese. And they play the games and I play them with them. And you put money into the, to the machine and you play the games and hit the little mole on the head or roll the ball up or shoot the basketball over and over again. And at the end, these little tickets come out. And you can take these tickets when you are ready to go up to the counter. And with these tickets, you give to the person, you get something better than the value of the tickets. Now, we had to buy these same kind of tickets for the sensational salad. And you can get a roll of hundreds of hundreds of tickets really cheap. But the, the gifts that we were getting when we take those tickets in are more valuable than the ticket itself. The ticket is worth pennies on the dollar. But that, that toy that they get, that stuffed animal, the memories that are created, everything that goes on is worth way more than the price of that ticket. And so you redeem the prizes. You redeem these tickets. You turn them in to be redeemed and just like what you get back from that counter is worth way more than the price of the value of that ticket. When God redeems us and gives us eternal life, when God redeems us and sent his son to die for our sins, what we get is worth way more than what we are giving. When you redeem something, you pay the ransom from what it's worth. I ain't going to get into nobody's business. I'm going to just say there's an example sometimes when you have to go to a pawn shop. 
in between pay periods. And you got to leave something there with the pawn shop owner. And then when when it's time and you finally got your money back right, what you left, it may have been a necklace. It may have been a watch. It may have been a ring. It may have been something else. It has some value to you. But when you pay that pawn shop person back the loan that they gave you on that material, you are redeeming it. We're here sinking deep in sin, far from the distant shore. But it's love, the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God sending his son to die for us, redeems us. So that we can understand that we just like Job said, I know my redeemer lives. You have a redeemer and because you have a redeemer, that redeemer has given you access to eternal life. So it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you've been, whether it's at the beginning or the end. God's steadfast love will redeem you. You might have been suffering. You might have been abused physically, emotionally, sexually. But you have a redeemer in Christ Jesus. You might have been, you might have lost your job. You might have lost every friend you thought you had, but you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You might have gone through all kind of trouble with your family with a point that you are in no longer right relationship with them, but you have a father in heaven. And you have a father in heaven that is able to redeem you. They're able to go dumpster diving for you and get these things out. And so you may have been stuck in the trash. But God is willing to go into that trash. And let you know that through Deuteronomy 31 and 6 that the creator of the universe is on your team. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, You may be tossed to the side somebody's going in there and able to pull you out and let you know that God made him who have no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God Uh, you might be going dumpster diving and let you know that you keep your lives free because God said that he'd never leave you nor forsake you you go dumpster diving and you find out that weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning you go dumpster diving and you learn that there's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper Uh, you you go dumpster diving and you'll learn that God's power works best in your weakness Uh, you'll go dumpster diving and learn that you live by faith and not by sight Uh, You'll go dumpster diving and know that because Jesus died for your sins, you are no longer separated from God according to Romans 5 and 10, but you live in union with him. Uh, You'll go go dumpster diving and you'll learn that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. You'll go dumpster diving and you'll learn that I am crucified with Christ according to Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who lives, but the Christ who lives in me. You'll go dumpster diving and know that there's a Lord and Savior that came down to this earth and put on human flesh 
and lived a life that we couldn't live and died a death that we could not die and became the perfect sacrifice, the redeemer that redeemed our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.